Hello, everyone, and welcome to No Offense, the Daily Bruins official opinion podcast. My name is Keshav Thadimeti. I am the Daily Bruins opinion editor. And why don't we all go around and introduce ourselves? Hey, guys, I'm Abhishek Shetty. I'm one of the assistant opinion editors. Hi, I'm Rupan Bronidar. I'm the news editor. And I'm Jacqueline Alvarez, assistant opinion editor. So happy to have Rupan with us. My first podcast with him. This is like my second one with him. Well, I know one of the ones we unfortunately didn't get published, but this. Rupan has been joining the, the podcast for a long time, but glad Jackie's having this wonderful experience. We're going to talk about the thing that matters most to students. Money, money, and your money. Actually, more money. Well, Okay, well, in this case, like, your money works. Abhishek, do you want to explain the whole deal? Well, basically, the University of California Office of the President is looking at budget cuts this comes basically after an audit that took place last year, which accused the UCOP of not properly being transparent with about $175 million of its funds. So right now they're looking at a number of different proposals, basically. There's nothing too specific at the moment of how they should cut their budget, but there are proposals to cut it by $50 million, by $42 million, and even one to cut it by $438 million. And just to make just to clear things up, the current budget is something like eight hundred and eighty-three million dollars. So it's a pretty huge budget. The big question here is like, what does this do for the UC? Why why are we thinking of cutting budgets? And um, also like, what this whole University of California Office of the President <coughs> is. So I'll direct that question to Rupan. Well, UC Office of the President, in many ways, sort of governs the entire UC. Each campus has its own administration with chancellors and has its own budgets, but UCOP does things and does um, programs that can be centralized across the UC. For example, there's a, a sort of entity called UC Press. It's the UC-wide um, academic press system. Right now, it's currently under UCOP, and one of the recommendations in the report is to move the UC Press to UCLA. UCOP also has programs that support undocumented students. It has food security funds and a lot of other programs that can be applied system-wide. But there's been talk that perhaps it's not the best thing to centralize some of these programs to UCOP and instead move them back to campuses where they're actually being used. For example, one proposal is to decentralize the UC medical systems um, program. Many campuses, including UCLA, UC San Francisco, San Diego, Irvine, have medical centers, and they sort of operate autonomously. So perhaps there isn't really a need for there to be a UC-wide body that sort of oversees them. So that's one of the proposals that they're looking at to uh, decentralize. The UC Office of the President, or what they like to call UCOP, um, consists of about, I think, near 1,800 employees, and some of the proposals are to start slashing some of those jobs. Um, really, the office is like Harupan said, like it's a centralized entity meant to, you know, organize efforts and initiatives across the various campuses. Um, when Jen Opotal came to the Daily Bruin office in December, she spoke of how the office of the president has been coordinating efforts such as, you know, zero waste by 2020, which you see on those trash cans and recycling bins all around campus. In any case, there comes the big question. Why is this happening and what does this mean for students? Well, let's talk about what this means for students. So basically, it depends on which cut we're talking about. If we're talking about the first two suggestions, which are $50 million and $42 million, those don't cut much, but they do hurt some employees. For example, 110 of 1,790 employees would maybe not have their jobs anymore. And another one with the other suggestion, which proposes cutting $42 million, would cut about 99 positions. So those are the lower ones. 
But then you have the more larger cuts. This involves basically spinning off the UC Medical Centers and Health System, which is basically kind of a centrally operated system by the UCOP. And basically, if they cut out that, that would cut, up, cut off about one third of the budget. Yeah, that, that brings us to approximately $438 million in cuts, including all the other massive cuts. Well, the main reason why they're doing this is because the state has sort of called on to do this for many years. And the UC right now, they're going through this period where they want to negotiate additional state funding uh, for the university. Uh, for example, last month when Jerry Brown released his um, budget proposal, um, they expected a 4% uh, increase in state funding, when in fact it went three percent. So this is, I think, in many ways, a negotiating tactic for UC to tell the state, hey, we're doing our due, our due diligence and we're cutting back on our budget. You guys do your job and give us more money into state funding. So that's kind of one thing they're looking at. But it's also important to understand that UC funding is very complicated. There's a lot of different revenue streams. Uh, for example, when the Tonic came and met with us last month uh, with the Daily Editorial Board, she told us that the UC budget was probably the most difficult budget for her to understand given the fact that she was the governor of Arizona and the Secretary of Homeland Security. So of those three organizations, UC is the most complicated. And it's just because we have, we got tuition, we had donations, we've got state funding. It's a lot of different moving parts to the UC. And this is, the UCOP is, I think, a very little understood element of UC, but it's, it's an important part of it. And it's, they're really the face of the university as a whole. And they're really who the state legislators interact with the most. I guess what's interesting is also this comes at a time when we've noticed that UCOP has been trying to get more centralization across the university campuses. So, for example, recently, ACUCLA had just implemented the UC PATH payroll system, which was sort of a centralized payroll system that UCOP was sort of fighting for, trying to get many other campuses to adopt. It took many years, got a lot of like a lot of money was spent, there were a lot of delays. And then we also have that there is the appointment of a system-wide Title IX coordinator. And also, you know, the Office of the President has coordinated things like, you know, the carbon neutral initiatives on campus, the cybersecurity efforts after, you know, the various data breaches. And also, you know, support for undocumented students, providing legal services for them, all of which tend to come from the UCOP budget. So I guess it's pretty interesting that, um, you know, this support came in that the UC could you know, acts a lot of these efforts in UCOP and turn to more of just sort of like a federation of 10 campuses, as opposed to like one centralized entity that sort of sits atop everything. Um, albeit it won't change the governing structure as much, but it'll change the power dynamics between the campuses, I suppose. Yeah, I guess it's worth pointing out at this point, one of some of the more specific cuts they're also doing. For example, they might cut out UC Mexico. The UC Mexico initiative is basically UC collaborating with Mexico on certain things. But since UC Riverside kind of holds a similar program, that doesn't make much of a big deal. However, that one of the proposals was eliminating, according to the Los Angeles Times, was eliminating postdoc fellowships for underrepresented women and minorities. Now, I'm not sure if they will actually do that in the end, but that's a pretty significant thing. So I guess, yeah, this, this raises the big Million dollar question is like, what does this mean for the average Joe Schmo walking down Burn Walk? Um, or spun another way, what do students think about this? Um, and since Rupan, Abhishek, and I are the higher education junkies of this group, I'll pose that question to Jackie. Well, I'm a little confused as uh, to how uh, moving certain offices to different UC campuses will uh, save cost. I feel like in my mind, it seems uh, logical to think that it might cost more to move in a complete office over to UCLA that's already centralized at the UCOP office 
and also the UC Education Abroad Program. They want to move it to UC Santa Barbara and the Agriculture and National Resources Office to UC Davis. So I'm not sure how really separating those offices will save money because they already seem to be centralized at one location now. And honestly, I don't know how I specifically would be affected. Um, I do see that perhaps undocumented students or students with food insecurity might take a toll if they decide to cut those funds. A big criticism that um, you know, the more politically active students and that the state government have had is that the UC has just been this burgeoning administration. There's been a lot of administrative bloat. We're hiring administrators um, for things that otherwise seem very redundant. Um, for example, there are Title IX offices on each of the campuses, but now there's a Title IX office system-wide. I'll be a Title IX is important, but like, you know, there, there are a lot, there's a lot of redundancy that's sort of account- where the system ends up eating up a lot of costs or a lot of money. And, um, you know, we keep wondering why tuition rises in this stuff and that's because you know administrative blow and inflation and whatnot well i guess really what this what matters in the end since this is so technical is the optics of it like how does the state government look at this does it look positively and say okay we'll give you as much funding as you want or they look at it and say oh you got your funding goodbye now interesting to know um rupon brought out that this is uh, probably being done because of state pressure but uc spokesperson diane klein said that they're mostly um, coming up with these reports to find um, how the office can be more efficient, not necessarily because they want to save money. They claim that the saving money part is just um, after the fact of being efficient. Well, I guess there's some amount of pandering to state legislators who, like students, like the average student, aren't going to understand necessarily the nuances of the structure. Not that any of us completely understand the nuances of this financial structure of the UC. But I guess there is some amount of, like, this is very politically timed in some instance. Why Why would the UC release these reports now, especially after, you know, we had averted a tuition hike that'll probably happen in May, unfortunately. Um, you know, all these things are going to be factors when the state government rolls out its budget. And like most of the UC's tactics with the state have been to sort of propose a change and sort of step back and wait for the state to make it, uh, you know, take a stance. And then they do something that's sort of a good fate measure to get more money. So it's easy to think of that cynical sense. Well, I think also a big part is they're trying to uh, remove redundancy. For example, they're going to move the division of um, agriculture and natural national resources to UC Davis. And well, that makes sense. UC Davis is where there's agricultural, you know, facilities as a big agriculture industry in that area. So that it does sort of make sense to do this. But as other media outlets have reported, UCOP has tried this in the past and it's very difficult to sort of cut a huge budget. And UCOP is a sort of a big institution in the UC and bringing it, cutting it down and downsizing a little bit is easier said than done. And we'll see really how successful they are in doing this. So I guess this raises the question, is UCOP capable of being, you know, made more lean and efficient? Or is it just like the big bubble gum in Despicable Me 3 where it just keeps expanding even though you keep trying to cut it and I don't know one's getting this reference here. This is very sad. Everybody's giving me questionable looks. But I digress. We'll be back after a short break with something totally different. Groundhog Day. Okay, so we're recording this podcast on Friday, February 2nd, and that's a pretty important day for our gerbil friends underneath the ground. 
Um, actually, I actually don't know if they're dribbles, but anyways, if you're a groundhog, this is like a make or break it day. You know, you, you wake up early in the morning, it's pitch black because you're underground, but I'm not going to go into the physics of and optics of that. But in any case, you know, you you get yourself ready, you know, sort of part your hair, make sure everything's great. And then you just pop your head out of the ground. And then now the fate of the seasons and the world by and large, or at least the North American continent is determined by your shadow. Um, do you want to give the readers an idea what the hell I'm talking about? Well, the concept of Groundhog Day is pretty simple. There's a groundhog, comes from underneath the ground. If it sees its shadow, it's six more weeks of winter. And if the groundhog doesn't see its shadow, that means its spring will be coming early, which I don't know the science behind that, if there's any science behind that, really. Uh, thankfully for us people, we're not in the East Coast. It's pretty warm here in SoCal, here at UCLA. So would this be kind of irrelevant to us? What do you think? Um, well, I'm not really sure how you could have spring starting on February 2nd. Like, that just doesn't make sense. Also, like, I would already, I already know that winter is going to go for, you know, 10 weeks into 2018 because, you know, winter quarter goes for 10 weeks. Like, the groundhog woke up on Friday week four. I was like, aha, let's check if there's winter for the rest of the six weeks. When I'm like, you know, I could open up my browser and just look up the academic calendar and voila, I know there's six more weeks of winter. Like, I don't know, the groundhog is outdated. Not everything is about you, Keisha. Yeah, I think, I'm sure I was mentioning the movie, the Groundhog Day movie, where things, like, I think it's like, the guy's life keeps repeating on a cycle on Groundhog Day. And today's Groundhog Day, if my life were to repeat on a cycle today, I wouldn't be so, it wouldn't be so bad. It was such a chill day today. I woke up at like 10, went to class at 12. Like I'm here, but recording no offense. I wouldn't mind this being my life for like the next, you know, forever and ever. Just to give a little bit of context, the movie Groundhog Day stars Bill Murray. It's a well-known movie, kind of like a cult classic where He's kind of a reporter, weather journalist, weatherman, basically. And he goes to Puxatani, where they have the groundhog known as Puxatani Phil, which is actually a real groundhog, apparently. So he goes to Puxatani to cover that, and then he goes to sleep. And then every time he goes to sleep, he wakes up on the morning of Groundhog Day, and that just keeps on. gets stuck in a loop where he's repeating Groundhog Day every day. And yeah, that's his life for some time. Unlike Rupan, I would have a terrible experience if I repeated this day. Like, I did absolutely nothing productive. I just sort of woke up. I don't even know what I did after that. Like, I just went back to sleep. I half woke up. I answered a phone call while in bed. I, like, did I even eat lunch or breakfast or dinner? I don't even know what I was doing at that point. The only, like, substantive thing I did this entire day was record this podcast. I mean, personally, it's a Friday. And so I wouldn't mind repeating a Friday every day, you know? Nothing to do. No homework was due today. It's pretty chill. And also, let's remember the concept from the movie. The guy ended up knowing he was repeating the same day. So basically, he could do whatever he wanted with the day. Like, anything at all. Like, jump off a building. You know, you could do anything. This is a pretty interesting concept. And also, it's just another regular day, people. Um, apparently... The Pennsylvania's Groundhog Club records how accurate this groundhog is, and they've said that he has a 36% accuracy rate between 1969 and 2016. Uh, he has predicted 103 forecasts for winter and just 17 for early spring. So, pseudoscience? Coincidence? I think so. Maybe Groundhog Day has just become a meme at this point. Like, you know, Jackie was saying that there is this, there's this meme where, you know, President Donald Trump uh, poked his head out of the hole, saw Robert Mueller's shadow, and was like, crap! And then now he has six more weeks of just, like, 
living in anticipation and making up stuff and freaking out. And, you know, I I think, you know, Groundhog Day has just become this, like, festive thing that we all just sort of muse about. I mean, you know, we thought the world was going to end in 2012. But, you know, the groundhog keeps popping his head out, which I, I, I keep wondering, like, what happens to the groundhog? Like, what if, what if like, this, like, specific groundhog dies? Like, wh- what happens to it? I think they just replace it with another groundhog. So we're fine. So it's like Doctor Who, like the, the, the groundhog dies and reincarnates as another groundhog? That makes me really excited for the female groundhog version. Wow. BBC, you got to start covering this stuff. I had one final thought. What if we're all actually in a repeating day? We just don't realize it. How would you know? I mean, what if like you you start the day and you go back to sleep and then your memory just erases and you back start the day again and it's lived the day? How would you know? Well, we know because we have a newspaper five days a week that starts with Monday and ends with Friday. What if time is a social construct? I don't know. No one knows. Okay, that was way too <laughs> meta for me. I think I think we're going to have to end on that note. So, folks, enjoy your Groundhog Day. And uh, I don't know, don't don't think, don't read too much into your shadows because it's not like winter is going to end just because you saw your shadow or anything. But I digress. We'll see you guys all next week in our next No Offense podcast. <laughs>